This is episode number 121 with Professor Yossi Sheffi. Welcome to Transform Talks, the only podcast that cuts straight through the hype and noise on supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, the CEO and co-founder of the Future Insights Network. Join me as I uncover the stories and delve deeper into the topics that really matter to you. I think we can all agree that 2021 has proven to be an eventful year for supply chain leaders. They've had to battle with countless disruptions threatening their supply chain operations. And in this episode, I'm lucky to be joined by MIT professor and MIT Center for Transportation and Logistics director, Professor Yossi Sheffi. Now he's going to be commenting on the state of the industry and sharing with me his predictions on the future of supply chain disruption. We're going to be discussing the implications of expansionary fiscal policy on inventory management and logistics network strategies for companies operating in the States, and how the exponential growth of e-commerce has actually pushed supply chain leaders to rethink their logistics networks and inventory management strategies. As you all know, Professor Sheffi is an expert in supply chain management and has authored five award-winning books. He published his sixth book, The New Abnormal, in October 2020, and his latest book, A Shot in the Arm, in October 2021. In this book, he uncovers COVID's impact on global supply chains and how the vaccine was developed and distributed so quickly. Now, under Yossi's leadership, MIT's Center for Transportation and Logistics has launched many educational, research, and industry government outreach programs, including the MIT Scale Network, involving six academic centers worldwide. Outside academia, Professor Sheffi has consulted with numerous organizations, and he's also founded and co-founded five successful companies, all acquired by large enterprises. Professor Sheffi and I always have the best conversation, so I'm super excited for this one. So let's get started. Today, we are joined by Professor Yossi Sheffi, who is Professor of Engineering Systems and Director of the MIT Center for Transportation and Logistics, and author of several books, one of which I've got right here, The New Abnormal. Uh, Professor, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Maria. Thank you very much for having me. What, what's been happening in supply chain since we spoke? Well, the, the world started to open, obviously. We started to get, the big thing was the you know, vaccines were approved and vaccines were start to, uh, to go into arms with uh, amazing results. I mean, I'm um, originally from Israel, so I was watching what was going on and how quickly the country vaccinated and opened up. And uh, we talked before that I'm now actually writing something about the, uh, the whole process of, uh, of vaccine distribution. And I was amazed when I start to find out why Israel was so successful. And this was the, 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 yeah. country, the country was the first in vaccination in the world. The basic, the basic idea, aside from good preparation and understanding how to deal with uh, with emergency, they pay two to two and a half times as much for the for the vaccine as the EU, for example. So, what happened is they understood that it's about value. It's about the, that every day that they open the economy early, it's billions of dollars for the, for the GDP. So by comparison, the price of a, a, you know, a dose of vaccine is nothing. It, it doesn't even you know, uh, register. So they bought a lot and they are vaccinated a lot and got to uh, open up very early. So it, it is. It is a validation of science in some sense, which is kind of feel good about that uh, it worked. 
It, yeah. Because even after the it was approved, it was not clear that how well it how well it will work. But it worked. Uh, I'm now in Massachusetts, which is about 60-65% vaccinated. The state is open. Uh, no masks, no nothing. Uh, uh, st state is open. What happened in uh, uh, very interesting, of course, what happened in, uh, in supply chain. Yeah. The, the economy ramped up faster than anybody expected, especially because the vaccine worked so well. That's why I mentioned the vaccine worked well. Yeah. The economy is open up and huge pent up demand for for variety of reasons. The first reason is that people actually saved a lot of money during the, uh, during the pandemic. They didn't buy stuff. They didn't spend money stuff. So there's a lot of money to spend. In the United States, on top of it, the Democrats put in uh, uh, more money into people, whether they needed it or not. Mm -hmm. So they are, I personally think it was a, the, the, lack, the fact that it was not directed towards people who really suffered, but a kind of broad brush was a policy mistake. And we see the result of it. Uh, consumption is going through the roof, yeah. which means that we have a shortage of everything. Uh, yeah. You cannot, the shortage is now hitting, hitting stores, hitting food. Uh, is, it, is it noticeable? I mean, absolutely hitting. It's not only noticeable. Let me tell you something funny. Um, until let's say January, 2020, people, you know, neighbors know what I'm doing. So they asked my wife, what's your husband doing? I, I research at MIT about, and she, she used to say he's doing uh, supply chain management. People ask, what is that? <laughs> well, last week, my wife went to the supermarket and uh, there was no uh, oranges or something they're out of. So she asked the uh, 18 year old clerk, uh, why, why there are no uh, uh, oranges? You know, we have supply chain problems. My wife started laughing. You wouldn't know how to, you, you wouldn't understand the word a year and a half ago. And now you talk about supply chain problems, but the shortages are everywhere. The shortage, uh, we're talking about congestion in the entire transportation system, in the, in the warehouse, in ports, in there's not enough ships and containers and trucks and it's just not enough. And uh, so we see shortages, we see prices going through the roof. Yeah. Uh, prices of you know, moving container today from uh, China to the United States used to be about $1,800 per container. It's now over 10,000. Uh, prices are just through the roof. Trucker are raising their prices because they don't have drivers now. Another a problem with what the, the administration did is we have a lot of people who are on the sideline who don't want to work. The US, yeah. there, are, there are, you know, jobs ads all over the place. Uh, people are trying to hire and companies cannot hire. I was talking to a truck manufacturer, mm -hmm. a US truck manufacturer with several plants in the US and, and Mexico. They said, for those who don't know, truck manufacturing is an all-time high, well beyond the prior, the uh, the previous peak, and it's going to continue to 2022. The orders they just can't make them, so they are they wanted to put more shifts on the on the plants and make more truck. They couldn't find workers in the United States, so they hired 10,000 workers in Mexican plants. So really? yeah, so so because the, the, the uh, Mexico, so where are people going? 
Why, why are, you know, where, where are people working then if they're not working in manufacturing? They're not working. They're sitting at home on government checks. Mm. I mean, some of them. There are some people who are afraid to go to work. Some people, there are lots of reasons. But clearly one of the reasons is that in many professions, especially blue collar, low scale profession, you get more money for sitting at home. So mm. why work? And this is in general, let me just make a social comment. This is awful because mm. Some, especially the Democrats, which I mean, I'm a Democrat and I'm, you know, don't understand that jobs is more than getting money. Jobs is identity, it's self-worth, it's feeling, you know, it's contributing member of society. It's not just the money. And just, so, you know. So, so where does that leave us? Where does that leave supply chain professionals? Where does that leave the supply chain leader of today, you know, with all of these all of this stuff going on right now. I mean, you know, here we thought that, okay, the pandemic, the crisis was the biggest thing to affect us. Are, are we in the aftermath or the sort of the tail end of the crisis and, and, and seeing that, what does a supply chain leader need to focus on? We're not the tail end of a crisis, we're at a new crisis. It started from the other crisis. It's a just yeah. a different crisis. Uh, we didn't have a crisis of uh, too much demand. I mean, <laughs> that's the crisis yeah. now, yeah. the demand. Yeah. I mean, we put, we put the Roaring Twenty to shame. I mean, the, the speed in which the economy and the and rebounded was quite, was quite, yeah, the whiplash of that, it was just amazing, un, wasn't it? Unprecedented. Yeah. Actually, when we say unprecedented, it's exactly unprecedented. Yeah. So it's, uh, so the world is not, and it's not the only the supply chain. It's we don't have enough commodity. Oil prices are going up. You know, every commodity is now, Aluminum and copper and, and you know iron ore all are, are setting record high uh, prices. Just not enough, not enough factories to process them, not enough uh, mine equipment to get them out, not enough agricultural uh, equipment to get stuff from from the field. Droughts in some places, but that's always happened. But yeah. we just don't have not enough workers to get uh, um, to get stuff moving to go to the factories to go to the warehouse to drive the trucks. To, so now, so where is it going to end? That's, that's the real question. And my, give you my prediction. And uh, just, just to say, as Niels Bohr said, it's, uh, it's very hard to predict, especially the future. Okay. So, <laughs> so um, but I believe that the, the process of the economy fixing itself already started. Yeah. It started in the high prices because high prices will suppress demand yeah. uh, over time. So my expectation is that sometimes around January, February next year, we will see the market come equilibrating. You know, we're not going to have shortages anymore. Prices are still going to be higher than uh, maybe not as high as today, but high. Uh, but, but shortage will be... Uh, Will be a lot less uh, a lot of stores. why because right now we're still in the middle of it and it's only gonna go it's only gonna get worse because of two reasons first of all we are coming towards august september october november the high um, high time for um goods moving from china to the us and europe because of because of christmas so it's not gonna get better before that and, and factories are trying to gear up for this uh, right now. Second, 
the European Union is not yet open because the vaccination rate at the European Union are not as high, but within a month or two, it will get there. Yeah. So yeah. the EU will go to uh, the, the, most of the European Union, most of Europe, let's not talking to a Brit, let's not call it the European Union, but <laughs> Europe will go through what the US is going now, you know, going, going up. So this will happen over the summer, October. So I don't expect anything to, uh, to happen before then. What will happen in the US is that by September, the extra money that administration provides from unemployment will run out. It's supposed to run out by September. And I assume by now they realize the mistakes and they're not going to uh, go further with it. So it will allow more people to get back to, um, to jobs. Um, then the, the, uh, the rush for, towards the, the holiday will subside. It subsided on, you know, by the end of November or so. So December, it will come down. And January, February, I expect. But one, one thing can screw everything. And well, this is, well, it's, it's one, one thing can screw my prediction. And this is the US government. They're well, very... I think I think there's there's more than they can screw the, the U.S. government. More than the U.S. government, there's a lot of uncertainty, right? I mean, it's not just the government, right? No, it's a, the, the a markets tend to fix themselves because of the price mechanism. But what right. the government will do, they'll put in an infrastructure bill. And if you right. think if you think you have shortages now, you cannot yeah. imagine the shortages will happen when people will start. We don't have enough workers now. We don't have enough material we don't have you know housing prices are going through the roof you cannot build a new house you can i was talking to a pallet manufacturer who says they are charging now three times as much for for a pallet and they cannot build them you know the profits on each pallet are enormous but they don't have lumber uh can you imagine what will happen with this trillions dollars infrastructure bill it so I'm, I, I wrote an, you know, a blog and I actually talked to some people in the White House suggesting very strongly to delay the infrastructure bill until January, February, when the economy will start coming down and it can swallow this. Right Hopefully now, they'll listen to you. Hopefully they'll listen uh, to you. That, that would be a first, but it's... Uh, can I ask you a little bit about um, e-commerce? Because I know you've talked about that in your book and uh, we talked about the demand and actually you said that the... Uh, and you're absolutely right. We've put the roaring 20s to, to shame with our spending and our... Uh, so what's been the impact for e-commerce? Uh, you know, as we move towards normality, are we going to see more e-commerce transactions? Is this the new normal? Do we buy this way now? Okay. E-commerce has, uh, has gotten a boost uh, uh, during the pandemic. We got it. No, e-commerce has been growing before. Of before course. The pandemic. It's been growing, you know, year over year. It got a boost for during the pandemic, and it will settle down, but then continue its its growth. What happens during the pandemic is that the, out of necessity, a lot more retailers started going into e-commerce. Yeah. Uh, Walmart became a huge force in e-commerce. Target became a huge force in e-commerce. All these uh, big retailers invested substantially in e-commerce. Not only this, for example. Of course, Amazon and you know, uh, Amazon, Alibaba, JD.com, they all do as well. But they are now trying to face more and more competition. For example, Walmart started its own marketplace 
Mm -hmm. They're working with Shopify. Shopify is a company that uh, allows small retailers to get to get online. They have a partnership with Shopify and they get small retailers to sell through Walmart. Really? Uh, to sell, to That's sell pretty cool. Walmart marketplace. Look, one thing Walmart knows just as good as Amazon, they are excellent logistics operators. Yeah. So uh, now you can use Walmart logistics, even Walmart stores, Walmart warehouses to drive stuff. So, so you got a, a lot more entities are involved in, in e-commerce and it, be, it became a necessity. Now, what, what does happen, however, well, several things happen, of course, but one of the things is that the stores are becoming more and more showcases rather than places to buy. Yeah. You go to the store, they still have inventory, but it gets harder to find your size, your color. But what they do, what they did before and now they do, everyone does it, at least in the US. I, I, since the pandemic, I haven't visited Europe. Uh, but uh, in the US, there are immediate, you, you'll get it within a day. We will get it to your home within a day. You don't even have to come back to the store. In many cases, they'll move it either from another store, from the warehouse, whatever. You will get it um, within a day. Another interesting phenomena, because companies cannot supply everything that customers want, they are focusing on high-end items. So it's okay. much easier today to buy a Cadillac or a Lexus than to buy a Chevy or a, or a, or a low, uh, you know, starter Honda, because the profit margin on the large vehicles on the uh, on the luxury goods are much better so companies try to retain margins and they are the raise prices some some can yeah. do some yeah. cannot others are focusing more and more on the high end of the market so they can keep the and and consumers have less choices and because and all prices are going up and because but because of this uh, uh, you know way of doing business focusing on the high end there's less low-end product so their prices also goes up because there's less of it so 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 can we talk logistics for a second i mean you sure. you, you just talked about how um you can get things in one day the retailers are competing to try to outmaneuver each other in the last mile to deliver this you know within a split second of when you ordered it um but this this obsession with delivery and logistics what is that doing for sustainability? It's killing it. <laughs> to say, look, today in Boston, you order something from Amazon, you get it in two hours. Yeah. They promise you in two hours. Wow. Now, anybody who understands transportation, who understands logistics, who understands supply chain, knows that it takes them at least an hour just to find the item in the warehouse. Then they don't have time to build an, a, an effective tour that will visit several customers, there's a, a van that go, goes to you or to you and a few others. But the van is, you know, three fourths empty uh, because of the, the most important thing is the speed. So it's ridiculous it, <laughs> because the truth is who needs items in two hours? I mean, it's, it's faster than getting it in the store. By the time you go to the store and look and talk to somebody coming back, it's who needs it in two hours? But it's convenient, and why not? Yeah. And top of it doesn't cost anything. 
because they swallow the, the transportation price. You don't get charged more for a two-hour delivery. It's not, not in the U.S. So it's why do people do it? i tell you why people do it. It's exactly because what I wrote in my previous book, Balancing Green, that people are not willing to pay for, for sustainability, are not willing to, uh, uh, to be even less inconvenient and just even mindless convenience. Like, I would say, I always challenge my students when I say that they are to blame. They are all, you know, full of, uh, you know, indignation and, and uh, like to, uh, to blame Amazon and everybody else for the ills of the world. And I turn around and say, it's your fault. It's not Amazon's fault because- Because Amazon's just responding to what you want. How many of you, Amazon will give you a discount if you order on what they call an Amazon day. Whatever you order, get on a Thursday. Choose your day, but you'll get it only once a week. So they can build more into it and plan it and, and plan tours. Nobody does it. It's just too easy to just click and, and, and get it in, in two hours. It's fulfilling. I, look, Amazon understand us better than we understand ourselves. So, and by the way, they do it. So Walmart must, everybody must do it to compete. So it becomes the norm. I, so, I, so, but, so, so then last mile delivery is the, is com the competitive advantage, but what, you know, that's not sustainable. And I'm not talking about green. I'm talking about that. We can't continue that, that, that event, eventually something's going to give. So what is the next key driver for competitive advantage? No, it's not going to, it's not going to give. And it's no, not going to, it'll continue. I'm being too hopeful then. It's not, well, of course, but it's, it's not going to give, I'll tell you why, because companies like Amazon have been losing money on the retail operation for decades. They're making money on cloud. They're making money on other operation. Uh, Walmart target, they are all, you know, come to the point they're not losing targets, not losing money, and, but they're, they're making a lot less money, but they're making on the credit cards. They're making on lots of ancillary um related operations or related offering that has nothing to do with the basic retail so by the way uh when people are trying to think about how to break companies like amazon and say the solution to me is very simple don't allow them to get into other businesses if they're a retailer let them be a retailer now they'll have to make they, they, now if they'll have to make money they'll have to make a margin They'll have to make a margin. They'll have to start charging for transportation. They'll have to, start, I, they, but we allow these companies, these conglomerates to grow broad, you know, to broaden their uh, uh, offering and, and they make money on, on other, they make money on something more. They make money on the data. They have so much data on what you buy or everybody else. They sell the data, they manipulate the data. That's another thing that they, it's a commodity that they have. You don't even know that you are giving them, but they know. Well, you're what you happy. Like. You're happy to sign away your life because you're getting you're getting a comfort. You're getting, you know, ease of use. You're getting, you know, cheap, cheap convenience, stuff. cheap and convenience, cheap and convenience. So you are saying, okay, get the data, get the, uh, tell me what I like, send me, you know, all these. It's Facebook. It's it's all of them, and you know, I are, are. How is Facebook making money? With that's a data. classic example. That's a classic example of trading in data. Yeah. 
I mean, how does Google make money? It's trading in data. So if you think, do you think, Google... do you think, a, do you think a lot of companies don't see or really trade in the value of data? especially, you know, with regard, I'm not talking about as a business model, I'm talking about supply chain leaders, you know, we, we keep hearing all the time about there's, there's, you know, drowning in mountains of data. Uh, how do you make get value out of that? Look, you can get some value in supply chain, nothing like the value that uh, Facebook or, or Amazon no, are out of the data, because their data is used to tar to micro target advertisement uh, to people. It's not clear. Let's say that we get all the data we want. Let's just say that we can, in supply chain, I order, there are companies who do it. I order a, a fleece on Patagonia, for example. They can tell me right now exactly where it's, where every part of it is, uh, is manufactured around the world. It's on their site. Mm -hmm. The next step would be to tell me, Okay, this was done on this day and this day it moved by this ship, by this day. Know exactly what happened to this. How many people would care? No. It's, 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 just tell me how good it is and how much does it cost? And, and, and when can I get it? So in terms of making... Um, now, there are also other... A lot, the number one thing that people want when we talk about the supply chain data is visibility. They want to know yes. what's coming. So they're not going to get, uh, uh, get surprised, surprised again. Mm. They're not going to get surprised. But visibility is limited. By, you cannot, there are only so much that you can get. Because you can go to tier one. Beyond tier one, sometimes you get to tier two. But companies may have 10 tiers. You know, by the, and, and, and the guy in tier three, four, five, don't even know who, who they're selling to. Because they're selling to, uh, to some middlemen. You know, when, when you put gasoline in your car, you don't know where the gasoline is coming from because it's all there are so many middlemen, it's all combined. It's all to understand how this works. Think about the US pipeline system. If you if mobile wants to get the, to move a million gallon of oil from Houston, where it comes to Boston, what they do, they put a million gallon of oil in a tank in Houston, it gives them the right to take a million gallon anywhere in the United States. But it's not there. It's not the same. The same gallon. No. It's something that's in the pipeline. The pipeline itself has multiple millions of gallons from all kind of people who put who put it in. It's just. It's a question of the so so the actual commodity. You don't know what you're getting. That reminds me. I'm glad that you brought up the pipeline because it's something else I wanted to ask you about. Security, you know, mm -hmm. security, cybersecurity. You know, yes. I don't know if we spend enough time in supply chain talking about it. I couldn't agree more. It's not in supply chain. It is business in general. Of course, yeah, of course. But come on, supply chain is a huge role in business these days. You said it yourself. Your eighteen-year-old clerk knows about it. You know, this is a of you know, the supply chain is huge now. No, supply chain was always huge. It's now it's only now. Well, people, now everyone else caught up. Yeah, everybody else caught up with what you and what we know. You know exactly. So it's uh, you're right. It is something that is. Uh, I'm actually surprised that the U.S. is caught by surprise. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, because I've been part of uh, Department of Homeland Security committees and task forces that dealt with it 15 years ago. They th we thought they dealt with it. They, they, they're all kind of uh, 
you know, task force and then committees. And, but it is clear that we don't do nearly enough and we don't. And the, actually, the, the most unfortunate stuff is that it's actually not that complicated. It's being, you know, when Microsoft send you an update, do it right away because they know, they already discovered some holes in the system. So do it, do the update, they close it, do it right away. Don't wait, because by the time Microsoft tells you that there's something wrong with the system, all the bad guys learn that something wrong with the system. So just, just do it. Phishing, when you get some of the most uh, obnoxious uh, cybersecurity uh, intrusion came from inside the company. People get on their company, people get email, and they open an email. By the time they open an email, there's something there that's gone. The entire network, not only their computer, the, the, whole, uh, the whole network. Going something that is the, the famous target, uh, which happened with uh, through an, a supplier that did an update for, um, what is it called? The, the, the cash machines, basically. Yeah, the, yeah, the ATMs, yeah. Uh, not the ATM, the machine in, in the stores when you pay cash. They, oh, the till, the, 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 you know, the ca yeah, the cashier, yeah. I, I forgot the British term for this, so the till, yes. So it's, I, can't, uh, I forgot the, the American one, and that's, you know, I'm American, so I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's got to be the cash machine. Okay, fine. Uh, so, but all of this means paying attention to detail, paying attention, paying attention. Now, it's not foolproof and it's never going to be foolproof for the same reason that you have espionage you know mm. somebody if i if it's worth i'm mm. oh, sorry about that that's my dog barking yes. uh, if the obviously the amazon guy is here <laughs> <laughs> obviously the amazon guy is here no no but, uh, listen i'm going to make no, you let want, you finish your thought finish your thought go ahead i want to say when the state actors involved who mm. can pay unbelievable sums to somebody inside the organization yeah. and it can come from inside the organization so it's hard but 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 you have to put in there are lots of guardrails like came out that after the uh uh breach at the nsa you know mm. with uh, what am i call it the guy who's now in russia and yeah uh, what's his name yep i know who you mean snowden yes there he goes yes there yes. yeah he was downloading stuff that had nothing to do with his job. So how come this is and at MIT, I cannot download stuff that has nothing to do with my students or my organization. Mm -hmm. I cannot, I can find a salary where everybody is working for me, right? Mm -hmm. But I cannot find a salary where everybody working in another department or the grades of students that have but, nothing but to do with. And how can somebody download stuff that has nothing to do with their job? Well, it's laziness, but but that's that's what I was going to say. Until COVID hit, you know, nobody was thinking about a pandemic, or we sort of sort of were thinking about a pandemic. Is security just one of those things that we are not really going to truly spend a lot of time and investment until something major happens? And should supply chain leaders be doing more about security? The answer is yes, yes, and yes. I mean, it's <laughs> clearly perfect. I, yes. But the problem is that the cybersecurity attack can easily lead to physical problems. Uh, yes. You can shut well, yeah. down, you know, as we've seen, shut down a pipeline, shut down, shut down a manufacturing plant. 
other manufacturing shut down the grid and you can only dream about what happened when we have autonomous cars running uh, running mm -hmm. around the world and, and so cyber attack can have physical uh, physical problems they are actually acts of war and i'm surprised that the united states unlike the nuclear it did not develop mutually assured destruction that uh, you see it's coming from Russia, do something in Russia. Um, cut down the grid in Moscow for, for a day. Just uh, now, because it has to be, it has to be a signal that this is unaccepted. Yes, Just unacceptable. So this is part of it. Part of it is, of course, defensive. And uh, the other part is sort of preventative and, and, and thinking. Both preventative uh, and, and, uh, and a threat. So I know we don't have much time. I want to ask you one last question. What, yeah. I mean, you already gave us a little bit of a crystal ball looking at January, February for the economy to equalize or uh, what else can we look forward to? What, what can supply chain leaders be looking at? What does the next year look like in your opinion? Okay, in my opinion, it's gonna be a lot less change than people think. Okay. Uh, a lot less change. I think that the calls for uh, the end of just-in-time is not going to happen. I think that uh, uh, it's just too good. There are ways to do some of it and, and, and keep efficient operation. I think that uh, there will be limited, very limited moves out of China and very limited reshoring. Mm -hmm. um, so, and the good thing the one big change probably or significant change for supply chain is they became front and center it's yeah. not yeah. only it's not only people ask my wife what uh, uh, what i do but in most companies supply chain has been elevated significantly because people are now understand but more than that it's not just that company understand it came from the board table to the dinner table yeah. i mean yeah. people started Everybody started understanding. Wow, this is really an issue in because our because we have a skin. We have skin in the game. All of us have yeah. got skin in the game with regards to supply chain. Suddenly, we understand that the stuff we wear, the stuff we eat, is not just magically appearing in the supermarket shelf. There's a whole huge process behind it, and it can break at every point in the process. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a little story. Digress here. I remember when I uh, when I was a little kid and living in Miami, I thought milk was at the supermarket. And I didn't realize one day when I went to a farm and visiting my grandparents that they came from cows. I just thought they it came from the supermarket. So I think a lot of adults live in that sort of, you know, adults live in that sort of world that things just are always, the supermarket's always going to have my goods. The store is always going to have my goods. Or if not, I'm going to find it on Amazon. I think, oh, yeah. do you think that that sort of reality is coming into, you know, that perhaps our parents knew, our grandparents knew that life doesn't work that way there's a whole process to get your goods maria 12 years ago i took the president of mit who visited spain you know i have an operation zaragoza spain to visit the zara distribution center mm -hmm. and this was it's a state-of-the-art automated robotics and all this serves all all of europe sends the you know garments all over you she looks at it literally like this and she said, I never realized how the stuff gets to the store. We're talking the president of MIT. <laughs> now she's yeah, you know, yeah, clearly a very intelligent woman. Not, not her area. Clearly she was in. Yeah, a, but clearly a very intelligent uh, woman. I mean, or very intelligent, very intelligent, very, you know, achieved a lot and all this. She then took 
her daughter's class. I took them to a distribution, to a UPS uh, distribution center near Boston because she wanted the class not to be like her. She wanted yeah. her daughter in, in the class to understand what happens behind the scenes. So, well, yeah. I think that's, that, that's the age that we live in, this sort of guilty pleasure of ordering on Amazon on your app and things just arrive, cheap and convenient, uh, and you know the ramifications of that. Uh, Professor Yossi Sheffi, it's been an amazing honor to have you here again and chatting with you. I always love chatting with you. And hopefully by the time we chat again, there will be some more updates in the world of supply chain. Well, by the time chat again, I'll visit you in London. I hope Hopefully, so. yeah, I'll catch a football game, you know. Okay, thank you very much, Maria. Thanks thank you so me. much. Thanks for joining us today at Transform Talks. I hope you found this valuable. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, comment, and share. I'll see you at the next one.